This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast—a horror podcast by two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. I got it right. Um, so, my name is Ryan, and this is my co-host, B. B. Best. Hi. Um, and if this is your first time listening, just so you know, what we do is every two weeks we pick one slasher movie and we completely dissect it, going looking at the dire- director, actor, writer, music poster everything um and then at the end of the episode so spoilers massive spoilers mm-hmm. um so if you don't want spoilers go ahead and make sure you watch the movie before this week's movie is child's play and at the end of the episode we rank the movie which you can find on our website so we do have a website it is keepscreaming.com and you can find our list of movies ranked at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list this will be our oh boy um 19th movie so we're almost on 20 that's almost 40 weeks which is super awesome you can also find our podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on CastBox. Uh, you can also find it at KeepScreaming.com as well as PodPeople.me, which is our um, producer's – like ne- um, it's his podcasting network, our producer, Brendan Klein. Um, so there's a bunch of other horror-related podcasts on there as well. Um, and then you can find us online at ScreamingCast. Um, that's on Instagram and Twitter. And then I am – at Ryan Larson on Twitter and B is at B not B B E A not B E B E E not B E A. Yes, that's everything. Woo! Um, so at the beginning of our episode, we do our pop culture check-in where we talk about things that we've watched, seen, listened to, read, etc. Um, to give you guys kind of a glimpse at who we are outside of just slashers. So we are big horror movie fans. So a lot of the stuff we do is horror related, but not always. But this week a lot. <laughs> Uh, Some weeks are longer than others. Some weeks it'll take us 10, 20 minutes. Some weeks it'll take us a little bit longer. mm -hmm. Um, I feel like for the most part, everybody likes hearing this part, but you can always skip to where we started talking about Child's Play because this week's going to be a long one. We watch a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's been realistically almost like four weeks since we've done a normal uh, Keep Screaming episode because our last one was our Midsummer Scream where we interviewed a bunch of people at Midsummer Scream and talked about our experience there, which was super awesome. But we didn't really do our normal like download of... Uh, pop culture check-in and B was like man I watched a lot this week and I was like crap so did I yeah um so uh I'll just run through mine super quick because I don't have like a whole lot of like crazy takeaways um I kind of jumped into a I just did a day of like 2000 slashers um I watched I got too excited and I jumped the gun and I couldn't wait and I watched Halloween H2O um (laughs) because the new Halloween obviously coming out and I fucking love this movie. Um, just every time I watch it, I think I like it more. And I read up more on it, and it's like, I always, for some reason, thought Kevin Williamson wrote the whole thing, but he didn't. He just created the story outline, and he added some notes. But um, it wasn't ultimately written by him, but his fingerprints are all over it because it feels so much like a Kevin Williamson movie. It really is. I think a perfect update to the Halloween franchise for what it was because it is, it has the tension of a John Carpenter Halloween, but with fl- the flair of a Scream movie. Yeah. And 
And, I mean, I think that movie speaks, and like I was even thinking about, like, Freddy vs. Jason, is that when you are bringing in, you know, a franchise like Heroes from the 80s, there are certain, obviously, trends that were existing in the 80s that were very successful, and that formula needed changed a little bit when we got to like the late 90s the early aughts and to be a successful movie and to appeal to newer audience it only makes sense that you're going to appeal to those newer trends and I think that's what makes those movies fun and I think that's what makes those movies like a capsule for the time that they came out in as well yep and I mean I can only and just like the remake Rob Zombie's Halloween feels very much like in, in tone with a yeah. mid 2000s is very mean and mean spirited, like all the remakes of that time. Um, so, I mean, that makes sense and it should be. And I think instead of like downing that and saying, oh, it's not like Carpenter's 70s Halloween, it's like, yeah, it can't be. Yeah, like, no. It really, it, that can't exist because we don't live in that time anymore. It makes me even more excited for the new Halloween and how it's going to exist in the world of horror we have right now which i feel like is a lot more in trend with like psychological even if it's a slasher right you're dealing with a lot of like internal Mm -hmm. fears and um external political fears Mm -hmm. um and and the social climate right now horror is like i feel like even more commentary on like what we're going through right now than ever so i'm excited and especially coming from blumhouse they like kind of favor that for sure so. yeah i think jason blum knows what he's doing yeah, um so i'm super excited for it and i feel like genre fans should be too oh absolutely yeah you should all <clears throat> i mean that trailer if that trailer doesn't get you hype like that poster I'm... you guys oh yeah oh my goodness so good oh. um but yeah Halloween issue is just and also we didn't get josh hartnett as like a teen heartthrob for long enough i know because that and the faculty <sighs> yeah He's just so damn good. Yes, um, he's a babe. And then I followed up with also Michelle Williams. Um, yeah. I followed up with Resurrection. That movie is still not great. Uh, I tried. I tried so hard. And I've there are parts of it. There are parts I like. I like the general story. I, I actually like. I know a lot of people gave it crap because it was definitely kind of playing with the found footage. It's not a found footage movie, but it plays a little bit with it because the plot is they go to Michael Myers' house and they like film it and it's like a web series. Like Oh, this is the LL Cool J one. The Busta Rhymes one. Busta Rhymes. Yeah. LL Cool yeah. J's in... He's in H2O. H2O. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the plot is not the worst because I actually kind of like the idea of like... Because that would happen like at that time or even nowadays it's like oh we're gonna send these people in here and like record them at night and like it's gonna be creepy and scary and like i get all of that but it, the follow-through was just not excellent uh i also watched sorority row the remake from i think like oh nine maybe oh eight um i watched the original this week i forgot the house on sorority uh-huh. row oh because yeah. brandon talked about it uh-huh yeah i mean i'd seen it before but it'd been a long time i know they're drastically different movies um sorority row yeah. is mean 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 um just like mm. house on sorority row is mean it is mean yeah um but like this one it's one of those ones where i cringe because they definitely like do things like they slut shame a whole lot Mm-mm-mm-mm. um and they definitely say the r word which i hate mm-hmm. like that's one word i can't get over um so i hate that but I still kind of like this movie. Like, it's just, it's kind of, I think it'd be a perfect pairing with Black Xmas because they're both, like, just these, like, really downright mean-spirited slasher movies with some gruesome kills. Um, 
and they do that thing that I love so much where you hate pretty much everyone except the final girl, so mm-hmm. you cheer a little bit for them to die. Uh, Shudder added Anaconda and Lake Placid, so I watched mm-hmm. them back-to-back. Anaconda does not hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed B last week. John Voight plays... Oh, my God. John I was Voight. dying. I was like, this this isn't real. He plays some, like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I like, think he's, he's supposed imitating. to be Cuban, maybe. Sure. Or a good fella. I don't really know. B actually said it sounds like he is Hispanic Christopher Walken and bad, yeah. and bad at both. And yeah. I was like, yeah, like that's accurate. <laughs> um, that part's bad. The snake looks horrible. It did not age well. J-Lo is, like, the only good part And also, let, can we just say J-Lo looks the same right now as yeah, she did age? Actually, she might even be hotter now. It's really not fair, J-Lo. Um, but just not a good movie. But Lake Placid, I think, still holds up. I actually really mm. enjoy it. Like, it's a fun creature feature. It's just, like, you know what you're getting into. It feels like a really big-budget sci-fi movie before, like, those sci-fi movies started happening. Like, I don't think the graphics are terrible. They're not amazing, but it's not bad. And, like, a lot of the stuff, I just think it's, like, a fun movie still. Um, and then I also watched The Relic, which is a 90s creature feature that I had never seen before. Uh, so The Relic is basically this creature is unleashed in this museum. They have, like, unearthed this um, artifact, and it breaks open, and the creature comes out, and it's, like, kind of haunting or hunting the humans in this museum. I actually really liked it. It's too long. It is a little too long, but it was super cool, um, and it made me, like, kind of miss... I I don't know, maybe with the Meg coming back, if it does what... Like, creature features haven't been out in a long time. Like, they have their rise and fall, but I just... I feel like it's been a while, and the 90s was definitely, like... Like when these were coming out, like Blast and Anaconda, the Relic was around that time, too. Um, we were getting a lot of these, like, big monster movies, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, I also finally watched I had never seen one of my John Carpenter blind spots in the Mouth of Madness because uh, it was also added to Shudder. I personally loved it. It's very H.P. Lovecraft inspired. Um, Sam Neill plays he's like a detective that is looking for this author who is kind of like Lovecraft meets Stephen King who has gone missing and he's looking for him and like he's not sure if it's a publicity stunt that he's missing because it's this horror author who writes these like really weird books and then he starts kind of diving into this world of where he can't tell if it's like fiction or reality um it's super weird and trippy but it's carpenter so it's very very well done the score is beautiful sam neill's fantastic um then to round it out i of course uh, I've been watching Castle Rock on Hulu, which is, if you guys don't know, it's J.J. Abrams and Stephen King's series um, that is very much like a dramatic um, like thriller mystery that's based loosely around Stephen King's work. So it's in the, the fictional town of Castle Rock. If you're not familiar with Stephen King's like bibliography, a lot of his books take place in Maine, and Castle Rock is a fictional town that he's created where... There a lot of his novels intersect there, so it takes place in this town. Like Shawshank is there. Um, there have definitely been references to Cujo. There have definitely been references to Pet Cemetery. Um, uh, Skarsgård, who played Pennywise in the new It movie, is one of the main characters in it. Cece Spacek, who played Carrie in the original Carrie, is in it. Um, Alan Pangborn is a main character, and for those of you who don't know, Alan Pangborn was the sheriff in Needful Things. 
Um, so there's lots of Stephen King connections. They're not very heavy-handed. It's definitely something you have to be like a and fan of. And they're not of. playing those characters. No. Yeah. Uh, well, Pingborn is. But Sissy Spacek is not. Carrie and Skarsgård is not. Pennywise. Um, his character feels weird though and like there are things so and like people keep are like we he has right there has to be so, something i haven't watched it yet and i'm not obviously i'm like new in the stephen king book universe right um so i can't pick up as it's much, definitely but. like it's not a spoiler because you can watch the trailer and you see basically like they find him in shawshank in like this hole they find this there's a secret cell in this hole in shawshank and no one knows who he is and so it's kind of this mystery on like discovering who he is the one like really hardcore it connection is though, and I um there was a there's a mystery that happened, like there was this kid and something happened to him when he was younger and Sheriff Pingborn found him and then he left town and he's back now and it's twenty seven years, which we all right. know it's is the it time. amount of time. Yeah. So there is I don't know what the, how they're eventually going to wrap around it, but I think there's definitely heavy allusions. And it's a to limited it. series, right? It's just gonna be one season. I think they said they want to do anthology. Because, um, like, you can't commit that cast to, like, a full-blown can't There's imagine. no way. No. Um, no, they're too busy. Yeah. Especially Skarsgård. I mean, yeah. he, I'm surprised he was able to do it now. They're Well, they're filming it, too, now. So, yeah. uh, But that led me into rewatching the new It movie. Um, I love that movie so much. Every time I watch it, I just fall more in love with it. I think it's... It just perfectly captures what I loved about the novel. Uh, I think there's some goofy stuff once they finally go down into the sewers, but everything leading into it, I just think is so fantastic. And he's such a creepy Pennywise, and I don't think he's better than Tim Curry because they're drastically different. Um, I know that's a comparison they get thrown out on. It's like, oh, but he's not better than Curry. It's like, well, they're they're very different. Mm, like mm-hmm. Curry was playing a carnival clown, and like he is playing this clown that has taken on the guise of that but is very much not a clown yeah i mean the scene still like i think my favorite scene in the movie is just when he is in the fridge on the bottom story of the leper house and he like opens and he's all contorted and he comes out he like unwinds himself and then he's just marching towards eddie with like this weird like saunter and he's like he's like playing with him he's toying with him because like if you know the book and even from the movie you can infer like he plays with fear like he he that's how he's powered yeah. so like he he's finds ma- out what the kids are afraid of yeah and imitates that but even like more than that he like the reason he's not just straight attacking him is because he's building that fear because he feeds off of it so i just love that so yeah that's i think i even watched more than that that's what i could mm-hmm. remember though um there's a lot of good I know, stuff. you talking, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I watched House on Sorority Row. And then you mentioned Carrie, and I'm like, oh, Brian De Palma. Oh yeah, I watched Mission Impossible. Like, Oh yeah, you did watch yeah. Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. guys, that movie, Brian De Palma, wow. What a, what a guy. Yeah, Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible spectacular. The first one, so it's good. so good. We're rewatching the series. We bought the box set. John Voight's um, good in that movie. Well, the, okay. And then, so that also reminded me, because I was like, why did I just watch John Voight in? And that's why I was like, oh, I like John Voight. He's hella good in Mission Impossible. Um, a plus action movie. Um, also still chipping away at my action films. And that one's way up there. Pretty much anything Tom Cruise is in is going to take over my list. Um, and I am working on my top action movie list. Ooh. I'll let you guys know when it's ready on Letterboxd. And you can tell me how wrong I am, and I won't care. If T2's not number one, you're wrong. Uh, T2's on there for sure. <laughs> it's good. probably not going to be number one. But That's a shame. We shall see. 
Um, holy smoke. So much. I'll try and like rush through it. Um, I'm like 20 minutes from fin- finishing Pet Cemetery, and I say 20 Ooh. minutes because I'm listening to it. Uh, Michael C. Hall narrating, who played Dexter, um, also from Six Feet Under. Spectacular. Amazing. Are you still liking it? The book? Yeah. Um, I'm ready to be done. It's depressing, huh? It's really dark and a little bit too dark for me. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, it is. It's one of his darkest. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, it's chi- I'm, it's like I'm ready to be done with death it. Is yeah, rough. Yeah. And I was ready to be done with it like two hours ago. It was like this like final act, and of course, because I knew what was going to happen, so I don't think that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you going to watch the movie I've again? Seen it. But, but I, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it again afterwards, and I. From everything I remember about the movie, it hasn't been that long. It's a pretty faithful adaptation. It's one of the most, yeah. I think, like when, when people talk about them, yeah. I think they, they've they always said it's, it is one of the yeah. most faithful. I love the neighbor in the movie. Um, I can't remember. Is it Fred, yeah. Fred Gwynn. He played yeah. um, Herman Munster. Yeah. Um, but he's like my... Yeah, which makes sense even reading the book. Like you get that feeling from oh, yeah. Judd. So mm-hmm. I do really, I do think it's a great book. I will never, ever reread it. I will never pick it up again. It's um, not what... It makes me hard. question wanting to be a parent, which I think is part of the effectiveness of Stephen King's writing. Not because, just because you think about that feeling. I don't have kids yet, but I mean nieces and nephews and just that happening in general. You're just like... I'm just so sad. Oh, and yeah. It breaks your heart out. It yeah. does. And because I listened to it, we were talking about this uh, when we were in uh, Long Beach for the festival because Ryan's read almost all of Stephen King's stuff. And we were talking with Brennan and Aaron, and they've both read a ton of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm like having a hard time finishing it. And I was like, I think part of the problem is I listen to it on my way to work oh, yeah. or like on the way to the gym. And so I'm like, God, I just don't want to be like hella depressed, like it, going it into work. Yeah. So um, fair warning if you haven't read it. I mean, it's beautifully written and the characters are so well developed, but it's I'm ready to be done. <laughs> um, I also I physically read Sharp Objects. Um, I had started it. I was probably like. 60 pages in it's i bought it on like kindle but i have like an ipad and i always forget about my books on my ipad mm-hmm. always and so i'll like pick up my ipad and then i'll be like oh shit i have this book and the show came out and i was like well i guess i have to finish reading it so i pretty much started over and i powered through it like i read it in like a week um beautiful super good um it was jillian Gillian Flynn's first book. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Yeah, I think it's Gillian. I think it is, too. Um, So it's Gillian Flynn's first novel. So she did Sharp Objects, then Dark Places, then Gone Girl. I had read Gone Girl. Absolutely loved it. Loved Mm -hmm. the movie. Um, Loved the book. Um, Thought they both were great. Um, This movie, or this book, was great. Um, You could tell it was a first novel. It's a little less, like, a little bit more predictable. The mystery's not as, like, fully developed. But, again, it's, like, deals with a um, woman with, like, severe alcoholism. She has to go back to her hometown, um, which you, when she goes back, you realize, like, okay, some shit happened there. And that's why she is kind of the person we see her as, is this woman who, like, basically has to drink nonstop to deal with herself and... Um, has like severe depression and a lot of issues. She goes back to her hometown to report on um, two young girls who got murdered and she's there to report on it. And it really ends up being a book about what 
her her personal childhood and the deaths bringing this up for her and that happens, she does that a lot Flynn yeah childhood stuff yeah like a lot of Gone Girl deals with like her childhood yeah. of, and like, how her that affects yeah those books and then same with Sharp Objects yeah. is a lot about childhood so it really or not is not sharp, uh, dark, dark places, dark places. which yeah, yeah, yeah. I also realized I had bought and it's on my iPad so I'm gonna read that one. Oh, I've, re- I've read that yeah. one yeah I did read that one so yeah she does a lot with like how you are raised and your childhood experience and how your parents treated you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, not even just like what your childhood experience was but your relationship with your parents and how that shapes you as an adult so I'm five episodes into the show right now and I can tell you right now her mom is a big old bitch and, yeah. I, don't, and I don't like her so uh, the book's great. Uh, the show I watched. So immediately I finished the book. I started the episode like three seconds later because I'm like so excited to watch it. Um, You're also a huge Amy Adams fan. And massive, massive Amy Adams fan. She's, um, Enchanted does not get the credit it deserves. amazing in yeah, this. Like, she is. She should win so many Golden Globes and for this. She probably will. She probably will, um, yeah. So far, I've, I've seen an episode and a half of the show and it's great. And I already can tell they're taking some different directions, which... I'm fine with. Um, I'm not somebody who's saying every book and movie has to be exactly the same. Normally, I prefer them not to be. Yeah. I like them to take what's appropriate. I like when the director can create their own vision yeah. of the book, but they, they don't lose sight. Big Little Lies, I think, is one of the perfect adaptations. And even, like, I think the Harry Potter yes, movies did a really great yeah, job yeah, yeah, where yeah. they take the important things and mm-hmm. the storylines and then they adjust them. Or even Ready Player One. Yep. They adjust oh, yeah. things to adapt for the screen. Yeah. Because there's some things that are written on page that just don't necessarily work the same way. Or so. they get rid of like weird toxic masculinity things. Yeah. Which was super nice. Yes. Thank you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. So, uh really book heavy um i listened to all of inside jaws which is a podcast by um i can't remember oh my god i just had it Um, i didn't realize on that podcast they talk about mark ramsey so mark ramsey narrates it he talks about that weird joe hill might have solved a murder thing from jaws in that podcast no Oh, the, I, I read an article about like he. Anyways, Joe Hill saw was watching Jaws and realized there's a famous. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. woman in the dunes. Yes, and, yeah. No, they made a connection with. Well, it's an unsolved murder, but it's more like an urban legend. That's how they described it in the podcast, and they like made a connection. Um, so Inside Jaws is by Mark Ramsey. He's done Inside Psycho and Inside The Exorcist, where he um, does like a like radio show narration on um, a certain story. So he goes into Steven Spielberg as a kid. He begins every episode by, like, telling, like, a shark story and how that kind of, like, you find out those stories inspired Jaws to be made and the writer. So it's all the behind the scenes of kind of how Jaws got made from the very beginning. Um, Each episode's a little bit different. Um, I didn't know this, but I found out that um, J.J. Abrams and one of his, like, best friends found as children like steven spielberg's like a box of old movies like from steven spielberg's childhood that he had made and they like found them and restored them and um i did not know that i knew yeah. i know abrams is like a hardcore well, steven spielberg he player. is and that's, that's part of what shaped him is they found like this and they ended up becoming friends about it and jj's like oh yeah i don't know if you know this but as a kid i like found some of your old stuff like in my attic i don't really know i have to look into the whole story somehow he got a hold of these didn't realize who steven spielberg was at the time because he was just a kid that's insane um and then they end up working together so super cool um steven spielberg's 
really good friends with um, the guy who created Star Wars. Um, George Lucas. George Lucas. And, <laughs> you know. B has some gaps, guys. Uh, I've seen Star Wars. I just don't care for it. Star Trek all the way. Um, I can like both. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Uh, and he actually... John Luke Picard's coming back. That's all that matters. Yeah. He's actually the one who recommended Abrams for the new Star Wars. Spielberg did. So, super cool. Anyways, it took me a while to get into it. The episodes are really short. There's a lot of ads, but it's heavily produced if you like that kind of thing. And he's really telling a story and they add, like, sound effects. So, it's like, oh, John came into the room. Knock, knock, knock. And there's, like, actually knocking sound effects. So, that's fun. I want to listen to it and then go back and listen to Inside Exorcist and Inside Psycho. So I listened to that, and then I watched Jaws, um, which I love. Uh, I love that movie to pieces. It's like top ten horror. Always has been. I've loved it since I was a kid. I've never been afraid movie. of it. I just really liked it. Um, so good. And, like, my husband really liked it, so we watched it. Um, like Doll's Eyes. Yeah. It's my favorite part of that movie, when they're in there telling the stories. Yeah. It's so good. I watched The Stepfather, the original and the remake. Um, all I will say is that... For the most part, I think I like the remake better. I think they made they took out some things that didn't quite work for me in the original and made it better, made it more about the kids, which I liked. Plus, it's Penn Badgley and right. Amber Heard, so yes. of course I want to see them. Okay, but question, because I see your bullet here. Terry Quinn versus Dylan Walsh. Uh, Terry O'Quinn is the stepfather in the original. Yeah, so... Way better than Dylan okay. Walsh. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I, that was my question because yeah. I also think he yeah. is leagues ahead yeah. of Dylan so, Walsh. So, and okay. I like, I'm Nip Tuck. I loved that No, we show. like Dylan Walsh, yeah. Dylan Walsh, but no, he does not. So, the worst thing about the remake is his performance is just really lacking. Mm-hmm. The, his best part in that movie is finally where he, spoiler, sorry guys, where he snaps. I mean, it's on the cover. Yeah. And snaps and says, wait, who am I here? Finally, in the third act, Dylan Walsh, like, performs but the whole lead up to that movie, it's nothing compared to He's Terry Quinn. pretty Quinn's. cardboard. Yeah. yeah. Terry Quinn is menacing. So good. The entire time you're like on edge. Like this guy's terrifying. You see his penis in like the first two minutes of the movie. And yeah, you're like, guys. You want some Mo Quinn? Yeah. That is, there you go. So, uh, yeah. It was, I watched it. I'm like, God, where was the full frontal nudity in the remake? Come on, guys. PG-13 versus R there. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I like them both. Um. But I do like... There's this weird cop thing in the original and, like, the mystery of another girl. And I just, they got rid of that in the remake and they're better for it. Um, I watched Belko Experiment by Greg McLean, who did, like, Wolf Creek and the new movie Jungle with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. James Gunn wrote and produced it. Movie made me fucking sick to my stomach. Like, I, that doesn't happen to me very often. And I was just, like, oh, like, sick. And it was really weird, too, because a lot of the cast are people I recognize from TV. So I watch a lot of TV shows. So I, there's the guy from... The newsroom's in there. Uh, there's the guy from uh, Last Man on Earth's on there, in there. There's so many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Mentalist guy mm-hmm. that I love is in there. Um, and it's just really like a huge ensemble cast. And if you are big and watch a lot of TV shows, you keep recognizing people. Yeah, of course, um, Kirk from Gilmore Girls, because yeah. James Gunn's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean Gunn's in it. Super dark, very, very gory. Oh, insanely um, violent. Which is awesome, but, you know, there's no, like, funness about it. It's just, that's what, that's the type of gore that makes me sick, mm-hmm. where I'm just, like, have to kind of look away and go, like, fuck. 
this is gutting me. And that is like my nightmare, that situation where you just have to be in this like literally life or death situation. Um, and it's all about like the human, it's total Blumhouse, all about like the human experience and like how like if we meet people, like how do we really know them and how long does it take to like build friendships and relationships and what will you do to keep those and not keep those and blah, blah, blah. It's all based on that. Very, very good. Um, excellent. Please watch it. Um, go fuck with you. Um, I watched Cure for Wellness uh, by Gore Verbinski. You did The Ring. The Ring and, and then the Pirates. some Pirates movies. Um, starring Dane DeHaan and Jason Isaacs and Mia Goth. Uh, visually fucking amazing mm. like you could like keep the sound off and just watch yeah, it like yeah. just to look at it it's a beautiful movie beautiful movie um the first half like so creepy like cult hospital it feels like what is going on incredibly here? like 40s to me like so much mm-hmm. universal where it's like not it's very like not outright with the tour and it's a lot of tension and a lot of build-up and a lot of story but like not definitely it's not a jump scare type of movie like supernatural type of movie nothing like that no definitely plays a lot with like is he insane like what are we seeing yeah like who do you trust Mm -hmm. what is actually happening what's the real story gets a little bit lost in like the second half it kind of switches over to like more gothic horror um, I liked both. I like like the medical cult stuff, and I like gothic horror too. They had a hard time mixing in, so it like lost a little bit. But it was a. I mean, overall, it was a good movie. I definitely don't think um, it deserved like the pan it got. Oh, like, and I didn't even see that because I'm oh, coming to it so late. Because yeah, everyone 20. hated it. Yeah, but I thought it was. I did like it. I thought it was good. So, um, if you can get past like some of the like weird intermixing of like. Uh, tone yeah i think um, it's worth it just i think it's worth it at least once because it really is a beautiful yeah like and jason very Isaacs well shot. yeah is he's so, so great, great. Yeah. great if you guys don't know he plays lucius malfoy in the um harry potter series he's fantastic in it um and then last thing i'll like quickly say is i did finally catch oculus by oh, mike flanagan so yeah. um i think i'm just mis- missing ouija origin of evil and i've seen everything oh, he's that done. One's so good too um karen jillian is in it yeah um who she's in the guardian series she's yeah in the yeah. guardians but you won't recognize her because she's like she plays in full uh, makeup. nebula yeah. yeah she was in the new jumanji yeah mm-hmm. um so she's great. It's about and our this, boy like, James yeah, Lafferty. James yeah. Lafferty from Winter Hill, which yeah. I was so excited. I mean, he's not in it very much, but no. that's okay because it was. I was so excited to see yeah, him. Me I'm too. like, what? This is awesome. It's Nathan. Um, it was beautiful. And yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, I it's think a great Flanagan movie. Just, Flanagan's going I'm, to go down oh. in history as a master. Yeah, he's he is an just for sure. at the beginning of what I only project to be an incredible, spectacular career. Um, he is so good, um, a master at family-based horror. Yep. And what I mean by that is, like, horror where it has to do with, like, inside of your, like, family. Yeah. Be- um, like, Before I Wake yeah. and Which Gerald's Game. Yeah. And um, even Ouija plays with those yeah. tones a lot. Yeah, so, so he takes a family and, like, deals with the horror that can happen within that um system and he's so good at it mm-hmm. so it's all it was on netflix that's why i finally caught it they put it on netflix and i was like yeah. oh fuck and yeah. he's working on dr sleep which is yeah. the sequel to the shining so it's gonna be gonna be good Whew. 
Okay, All that's right. it. If so, I watch anything else too bad, I'm not talking about it. Uh, so we are the, the movie. If you guys aren't familiar, it is. So we decided to do it because we luckily got to meet Tom Holland about two weeks ago. Um, so we decided. Fuck it, let's do Child's Play. Um, so Child's Play, if you guys aren't familiar, uh, some people don't realize it's called Child's Play because it's so colloquially yeah. known as Chucky. Chucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it is the Chucky movies. The first one. It's the very yeah. first one, 1988. Uh, the synopsis is a single mother gives her son a much sought after doll for his birthday, only to be discovered is possessed by the soul of a serial killer. Um, so it came out November 9th, 1988, uh, which was just like a month and a couple days after I was born. So, um, and how, what, how close to your husband's birthday? Pretty close to there, Yeah, too. he was born, um, what, the 9th is, is the date came out? Yeah. So he was born nine days later. Yeah, so, um, definitely a movie that was highly, um, like, in our time frame when we were growing up. Like, Chucky mm-hmm. was a huge thing, um, massive thing. Uh, the budget was $9 million. Uh, grossed six million on opening weekend, uh, which was uh, it came out actually on the same day that the movie, the first day in the movie, the very first day is November 9th, and that's the same day it came out, which is pretty cool. But it had a wide release on the thirteenth, ended up grossing thirty three million world uh, in the U S. and then an extra eleven million worldwide, so like forty four million yeah. on a nine million budget in the eighties. Hell yeah, good. yeah, hell good. This smashing, smashing success. Yeah. Um, like super controversial. Super greenlit a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, really controversial, obviously, because you're dealing with a horror movie that's based with children, which is what we talked about when we talked about Silent Night, Deadly Night, where mm-hmm. it's like Santa, like people were outraged because anything involving children obviously should not be, they don't want like horror things involved in that. I even remember I came a little bit later than the 80s, born in the early 90s, and so... By the time, like, these movies pretty much just were part of pop culture. And my mom and my dad both, my dad was, they were both horror fans. Uh, This was one of those ones that I didn't really get exposed to, at least not super young, because I think that was just sort of where my mom drew the line, where she was like, yeah, you can watch Jaws, um, but I don't really want you to be terrified of all of your dolls. Um, So Dolls are inherently creepy. Yeah. And so I guess to add this on top of it yeah. would make it really not I th- good. By the time I watched it, that my earliest memory is The Bride of Chucky and watching it like with my dad. And I just wasn't really... I think because I was so familiar with Chucky already. Yeah. I wasn't scared He's of He's a him. pop culture icon. Yeah. I mean... He was everywhere. Oh, he literally... They had Chucky segments during like the MTV yeah. Movie Awards. Chucky is on a segment of WWE Raw. Like he was on an episode of Raw. I mean, he was freaking yeah. everywhere. Um, and for the time though, 88 is super like, they definitely hit at the right time. I feel like, because this was right when these like kind of talking dolls became really big. And also I think it was the first time that luckily our culture finally started to embrace the idea that dolls weren't just for girls. Yeah. So there were a lot of these, like these Teddy Ruxpins and a lot of, yeah, the buddy doll, which this is based on. So a lot of these dolls, yeah, that were made for every kid. And like, they were starting to, like, they were very, very popular at the time. And it was around the same time too, that we finally, I think that we started to see toy trends where toys mm-hmm. would like sell out. Yeah. Like um, in the beginning of this movie, you see that like basically this good dad doll is sold out yeah. and she has to like 
literally get it from some guy peddling goods, you know. Like the back of her sketchy Detroit alley. Yeah. Um, 67% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, actually a little higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, Usually, especially this kind of, like you said, controversial, um, a little goofy at times, I feel like this would have got almost lower in the 80s. Um, Yeah. So Um, surprisingly high. I agree. I was expecting it to be lower. I mean, you have to think, like, Tom Holland um, is, like, a resp- Now watching it, you know, there's a lot of things that feel dated and silly, and you can laugh at it. Um, and at the time, though, you just have to remember, I made some, one of our friends, Ron, pointed out, like, some comment I'll dive into a little bit more. And I was like, well, that's probably intentional. And I was like, for this reason. And he's like, really? You think the filmmakers really put that much thought into it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. In this film, I do. I was like, it seems more like campy and silly to us now because of the time and how we're so familiar with Chucky. Mm -hmm. Um, But try and think of this as a brand new thing. And this isn't like some newbie, like don't know what they're doing. Like this is a serious, legitimate film. Uh Um, And there were things that were, you know, they thought ahead they weren't just like yeah let's just do that yeah because this i mean they gave this to tom holland based on the success that fright night had and i will say like knowing what he said about this film when we were in long beach how he approached it with a hitchcockian motive of we know that yeah charles lee ray is in the doll but but no one else does made me approach the movie a little differently because i'm like holy shit i never thought of it that way yeah and it like does the suspense. It does build the tension. Yeah. Because um and there's a trivia note we saw when we were looking it up too. Like there is um the original script called for that that un like you because you for you could believe it's Andy for a while. Like there's enough yeah. to there to make you go, but is it Andy? Like yeah. and the original script called for that to be even longer yeah. like to to use that plot line even longer and you can see that like yeah. that tom holland definitely plays with that idea uh b hates the poster okay so the poster just makes me mad because the effects in this movie are beautiful like what they did with chucky dude for the time for the, it's and, fucking insane and then you watch it now and it still looks hella good and so if you guys don't know like i mean chucky is a doll um yes. so like and he comes to life and they're there are times in the movie where you can tell that it's a person. Mm-hmm. It is. What's the correct term? I don't I really. I really don't want any like backlash well, here. It wasn't a, a little person. Yeah. Is I think the politically correct term now. But also, chill, they had kids. Do oh it. yes. Yeah. Um. So they have both. But like, the, and you can tell when it's mm-hmm. that. But also, there are times where it is the doll, and you're just like, "Holy shit!" For '88, like that holds up now. So the effects on it and were... And he talks in his face and his hands. it's so good. It's yeah. so good. So what makes me so mad is the fucking worst lightning in clouds. The voodoo lightning is the worst effect in the movie. And one of the worst effects ever. It looks horrific. It's so bad and like so distracting. You're like, oh my god, freaking voodoo lightning. Come on. And then that's what they use for the poster. The poster's bet. Well, first of all, that scene never happens. It's like they're mixing the voodoo scene with the babysitter kill. Yeah. It's the two together. Uh, it's her falling out of the window. And then it's the voodoo lightning hitting the Detroit apartment Herman, yeah, complex, complex gray and gross. And then you see... Uh, Chucky's eyes. Chucky's eyes, like his human. Well, no, that's his those doll are his doll eyes. eyes. Yeah, that's not like Brad at the top. 
it's and kind of like staring down. The only thing that's good is the composition. The way, like from a design standpoint, the way the eyes are looking, but then the lightning leads you down. It takes you all the way down to the corner where the woman is um, falling out of the window, lies directly in line where, where the text is. And like design, we call this leading the eye. So if you, you don't even think about it, but if you just have like a certain carrot, like an eye looking a different way, or you have that lightning striking outside of the page, you're telling people to look away. I'm wondering if... And this one, you're constantly like going in a loop. So you see everything. Um, and that way I like, I like the the typography, the, the logo type they created for Child's Play. They dropped the y down and made it uh like edge so it looks like it's supposed to be a knife um and they have like blood splatter on it and then the tagline's right underneath it that's really well done um the tagline on it is you'll wish it were only make-believe that's fun i like that um so they're doing it's well put together it's a well-designed poster but the fact that they use these, they make up a scene, which I never like. No, I hate that. Um, I hate when they do that. Um, and they're using, honestly, the one of the worst parts of the movie to showcase on the poster. I think, and they do it in the later ones, but I think they could have, you know, taken more use of actually using Chucky. I wonder if because part of it was they didn't want to ultimately, like, reveal that, hey, it's Chucky. Like, or that, or to make you think, like, because I'm wondering if maybe at the time, like, we can't, like, no one's going to take this movie seriously if it's a a doll doll. going around killing people. Mm Because, like, the later posters that they make, very obviously, I mean, it's Chucky, like, rearing back with his knife. He's got his cigar, his cigarette burn wound. Yeah. Um, But I wonder if it's cover. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering if that's more after he became this cultural icon, and they're like, okay, people embrace Chucky. So yeah, I mean, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Okay. No, for sure, I can get why they didn't fully like full. Blown I still Chucky. think I agree um, with you. I think the lightning is goofy. I especially don't like how it creates this weird glowing effect on top yeah. of the roof. It makes it look like a poltergeist movie to me. It does. Yeah. So it's it's very yeah. like off putting. So I mean it's fine. I I don't hate it. It does have the tagline for it. The tagline's good. The logo type is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the poster itself compositionally is well put. I together. love the blood splatter through yeah. play. Um, but the like, way you know. what they chose to showcase, I mean, it doesn't tell you what's happening in the movie. Um, it looks more mysterious than I it, think it really it lends makes itself. It, it doesn't tonally it, really match the film. No, no, no. It makes it look very dark, sinister, way yeah. more adult. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen worse. Uh, yes. That's true. <laughs> there are six sequels to this. So there's Child's Play 2 in ni- uh, 1990. So just two years after, like I said, they fast-tracked the sequel. Yeah. And then Child's Play 3 in 91. So again, by the time I was sequel. born, there was already three Chuckies. Yeah. Like back to back to back. No, it was incredibly successful. They took some time off between those because uh, I know three did not perform very well. They brought it back Bride of Chucky 98, which if you watch, I love Bride of Chucky. Um, it is super tonally like that late 90s, early 2000s feel, and I totally dig it. They introduced Jennifer Tilly as t- uh, Tiffany, who has also become her own like cultural icon in her own mm-hmm. right. Um, Seed of Chucky in 04, which I'm not a huge fan of, although Brennan, our producer, is, and he's written some pretty compelling articles on it. Um, Curse of Chucky in 2013, which was kind of a soft reboot uh, that was looking to bring Chucky back to like its horror roots. And then Cold of Chucky just last year, which uh, was a straight to Netflix um, so you can actually find that on Netflix right now, which I really like. There's 
I think it's a good mix. Curse Chucky's probably one of my favorites um, out, of, out of all of the new ones. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Child's Play 2 or 3. I've seen two recently. I've seen Bride a lot. Um, I haven't seen the rest of the sequels. I don't watch C very often, and I liked. I've seen Curse quite a few times. I've, I've watched Colt twice already, I think. Um, it is... I don't know, I really... I think it's an easy thing to botch, like the whole doll thing. And I, Don Mancini has written every single one of them. Yep. He's, he is the creator of the Chucky, the Child's Play franchise. And I think because he has written them mm-hmm. all, it has never completely gone super off the rails. I, um, I think Seed of Chucky is a very interesting experiment. And um, I mean, Don, Don Mancini is famously gay. And I think Seed of Chucky was really him playing with a lot of that i like um there's a lot of like kind of queer homosexual tones in that movie and i think that was him you know trying to be i get it like he's trying to express himself and he's a writer and he's he this is his franchise and he's trying to implement it so and i you know brendan has uh in the articles that he the article he wrote like very much brought that up and i definitely appreciate the movie more now like looking at it from that perspective um but yeah we'll eventually get to all these like i said brett if you to me personally bride of chucky is the standout and then i really enjoy chris chucky as well i haven't seen two or three in a really long time so i need to rewatch those i know andy is still the main character in two and then he comes yes. back for colt uh john renzetti does the score he did the buddy holly story but also poltergeist three and basket case two so a little bit of genre stuff He's it's okay. Fine. Yeah. I think uh, it, this movie could have benefited from a better score. Um, it does some weird things of like going softer and louder and mm-hmm. um, maybe not in the best ways. Um, doesn't build the tension. And I just kept thinking, especially after watching Jaws, um, and then I, oh yeah. I, side note: I also watched Wonder Woman and Justice League for the first time oh, this I love week her too. Riff. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I've been thinking a lot about like iconic themes and iconic themes representing a character and in Inside Jaws, they talk about how like John Williams is convincing Spielberg. No, this is it. Just these notes. And he's also John fucking Williams. Yeah. I mean, but it's true. true. I do love that story when he brought it to Spielberg. Spielberg Yeah. Like, like, no, no, we're not doing this. And he's like, no, no, no. Just hear me out. Like. This, you don't have to see the shark. You just have to hear this. And, I mean, that's incredible and it's so true. It's iconic. You hear that and you get scared. And with Wonder Woman, it's like the opposite. You hear her music and you're like, shit's about to go down. She's about to like. Oh, I love the Wonder it's Woman It's so riff. good. It's my favorite part of that yeah. movie. I mean, she is in general. Yeah, but like and, uh, I... Chris Pine. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, and you hear that and you just know, like, she's here. Like, something's about to happen. Like, it's, you know... It's giving the character, um, let me try and think of the right way to say this. Um, it's giving the character like another characteristic and another almost behavior that's separate of mm-hmm. who they are. The music is a part of them. Yeah. And it helps represent them and it helps let the audience know like, hey, here's this character. They're coming. They're here. This is what it means. And I feel like Michael Chucky, too. yeah, Michael, yeah, John Carpenter, yeah. yeah. So, and that really helps build either tension or excitement. It helps mm-hmm. elicit a reaction from the audience when you hear certain notes that let you know that that character's about to do something. 
um, whether that's appear in the water, whether that's like kick some Nazi asses, whether that's, you know, uh, about to like get his knife and stab somebody, you know, or pop out of the corner. Chucky needed that. Yeah. He needed something where you know, like, wait, where is he? He's not sitting where he was before. Especially in the beginning where you're not quite sure if Andy's imagining it or you know he's in the doll, but is that the doll he has? Is that a different, you know? And also, did it work? Like, Did he, it work? Like, he tried, because, yeah. you know, like, he, impl- like, at the very beginning of the movie, he's being chased down by this cop, and he's, he know he's gonna die. So he puts himself in this doll, and so it's like, okay, because, like, realistically, if you look back on it, that would have been a perfect red herring of, no, it's actually Andy. Yeah. But, like, you think it's this killer. Um. So, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the score was, it's fine. It's it not is. weak at all. No, like, no, and no. it's not, like, uh, like, it's not weird. Like, you never, like, no. listen, you're like, oh, this is weird, like, the burning. No, it's just, uh, it's just fine. Yeah. It's just there, but it didn't add anything to Chucky, and I really do think, like, a lot of suspense and something that could have carried over into the franchise is if he had a little bit more of, like, a, a theme. Yeah, him. especially when you look at, like, he's often put in the same, like, upper echelon of, like, Freddy, Jason, mm-hmm. um, Michael, who all have themes. Like, mm-hmm. Freddy has his, I can't, like, impl- like imitate it, but he has his theme, and then Jason has the kick, kick him, ma, 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 and, yeah. and, of course, Michael Myers has his infamous, like, theme from John Carpenter. So, I agree. It definitely could have done, I think it could have done well with a better score and it also makes me think of like philip glass scored Candyman, which is a very different movie but at the same time it feels a lot the same because it is this like kind of ghetto urban horror and that movie benefits so much from such a talented score i think this one could have done done the same um tom holland obviously directed we've talked about him a lot he wrote directed fright night which is both of one of our favorites we also love mm-hmm. the remake um fatal beauty did a tales from the crypt episode thinner uh which is a stephen king one uh based off the stephen king novel he is one of the masters of horror the hbo show that was unfortunately discontinued or showtime one of those one of, this. one of those premium cable channels he also wrote psycho 2 the initiation of sarah and scream for help he is a very very well respected and well-versed horror director um and a very funny guy mm-hmm. if you get the chance um yeah. i mean I'll, you know, have to self-promote a little. I was on the episode, the Midsummer Scream episode of Shockwaves with Tom Holland, and he just has a lot of really interesting stories, and he is also very blunt and does not give a shit about who he might offend with things, so it's fun to listen to. Um, Don Mancini also wrote it. So Don Mancini is also very famous because of the Child's Play franchise. So it's Um, his story. It is. Um, It's his baby. yeah, Yeah, and then Tom Holland, like helped write the screenplay yes so i think it is important to like credit don mancini for really being like the yeah and the don, creator yeah he yeah. is the creator of chucky and he has gone on to write like i said all, all of, them. of them he directed cult of chucky um he helped create channel zero candle cove which b and i were just talking about before we started he directed the podcast. seed curse and cult oh yeah the all of yeah. the reboot ones yeah um and seed um he also helped write Channel Zero, Candle Cove, which me and I were talking about before we started the show, and that is our favorite season mm-hmm. of that series. So um, good. It's so fantastic. If you guys have Shudder, check it out. Just went up. Um, him and Nick and Tosca had yeah. just created something nightmarish. Um, and then he wrote lots of the Hannibal TV show, which was fucking prestige television and, like, just so criminally overlooked. It's ridiculous. Did you ever watch it? No, it's on oh my, my God. Yeah, it's on Brian my Fuller. List, yeah. yeah, so good. 
Uh, and then John Lafia, who directed Man's Best Friend and wrote Child's Play 2, was one of the credited screenwriters. Yeah, cast, uh, Catherine Hicks um, plays um, Andy's mother, Karen. You recognize her as the mom from 7th Heaven for yeah. like 20 years. Yeah. Um, Chris Sarandon plays Mike Norris. You'll also recognize him as um, Jerry from Fright Night. And if you're like me, you just keep thinking, no, that's Jerry. He's a vampire. He's going to kill Andy. Yeah, he was an Um, 80s staple. Yeah. Uh, Also, I mean, obviously, I'd worked with Tom Holland, brought him back. Alex Vincent plays Andy. Um, who pretty much did nothing except play Andy 20 years later in the reboot. Yeah, I acting, I think he came out and said, uh, I don't, acting is not for me, like I don't want that. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because he's not good at it. Um, Brad Dorif um, is Charles Lee Ray and then voices Chucky once he really becomes Chucky. Brad Dorif is iconic to me. And oh my goodness, uh, so spectacular. Uh, he's great with, like, he looks like, uh, who did, Ron, Ron, when we were watching it, my friend Ron, uh, kept thinking he looked like somebody, he's like, who, oh, he kept thinking he looked like John Malkovich, like, with all, like, the long hair. Oh, his long hair. Um, but his voice work for Chucky is just out of this world, it's so good, um, it really is so character-based, he gives so much life to a doll, which is a hard thing to do his um and personifies this oh my god his inanimate object he does this thing where he goes from like this like maniacal like cheer and then this snarl yeah yeah like and i fucking bitch like yeah he gets so mean and i love in his laugh i love his chucky laugh i think like brad like Chucky would not have succeeded without Brad Dorif. Like, the, what yeah. he brings to the character it's is It's truly spectacular. Amazing. It's really great voice actor work. A lot of talk has been coming out with the, the, with the um, Oscars right now because they announced a few new characters, and people are really upset that there's still not an Oscar oh, for categories. voice work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There um, should be one for voice and work. And there should be one for voice work because watching movies like this, you just truly understand how important it was. And part of, like, the little trivia we're reading is that Dorf did... Mo- almost all of Chucky before they filmed because mm-hmm. they needed to match up the doll with his voice. Mm-hmm. And so he did that and created that before the doll was even really a doll. So he was truly just personifying this nothingness and creating this character out of nothing. And then they worked around that. And yep. I think that's another true like statement of how good it is is that they're like no 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 like we got to get this to work with you because you're doing so well um it's one of the standouts of the movie for sure and dorif has definitely gone on to be like a horror icon he cameos a ton i mean Mm -hmm. he was an urban legend he was in rob zombie's halloween movies he's been in a couple like uh he was in body parts by john carpenter um critters like he shows up all over the place he is definitely like a very very well respected um and like, like I said, he's a, he is yeah. a horror. He's like, he's like Robert, Robert England. Yeah, yeah. He's like he, Robert he is Robert England, England yeah. level of like horror icon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his he, daughter actually plays the character in the reboot, or not reboot, but like the newer ones. Fiona Dorif is the main character in um, Curse and Cult of Chucky. It's awesome. Um, and then you know a few other people: Dina Manoff as Maggie Peterson, Tommy Swirldole as Jack Santos, Jack Colvin as Doctor Ardmore, and Neil. Giantoli as Eddie Caputo. All minor characters. Yeah. No one went on to be anything super no. big. Um, it's slasher-esque. I mean, it is a slasher. It's also, you know, a killer doll movie. That's mm-hmm. definitely a genre. A uh, supernatural 
yeah, voodoo. It, way more supernatural than I remembered it yeah. being. Um, Which always, it, that's a hard line for me. Because obviously all of our big slasher guys are supernatural. Michael is, Jason is, Freddy is. Michael is kind of. Michael is only kind of because they just want to keep him alive. Yeah. Um, and Jason is because he comes back from the dead. Yeah. Um, and then they do some wonky things with him in the sequels. Um, so obviously he's supernatural because he, like, wasn't alive. He's a zombie. Right. Jason's a zombie. He's a revenant, is what they call him. Sure, he's a zombie. Yeah. Um, Freddy obviously has always been supernatural. He lives in your dreams. Uh, but he was a real person. Right. Um, so I understand that, you know... All of these slasher kinks are supernatural based, but there's still something when supernatural things get involved that makes it feel less like a slasher. I agree. And it's when they rely, and I think I realized it for me, it's when they rely on the supernatural to do the killing or to Uh that it's not a slasher anymore. Uh Where it's like, yeah, you're taking away. If you're, I watched. Tourist trap recently, and oh, we man. will dissect that. Yeah. But there's some things that took away the slasher esque of that film because there's a lot of um, weird supernatural, weird stuff. supernatural, and they use that to do some of the kills. Telekinetic, some, stuff, telekinetic. Yeah. yeah. I was like the mind thing. <laughs> the mind thing. The mind thing. He Carry does some thing. mind things, so it makes it feel less like it's like, well, no, you're not wielding a knife and physically harming somebody. So I definitely think the first like half of this movie is super slasher. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of of like cat and mouse and there's yeah. a lot of like uh, pov yeah. and stalking and like um it plays with that a lot and a lot of not seeing chucky but mm-hmm. seeing what he's doing the but i so the thing you said that really resonated with me right now is because even after you are revealed that it's chucky he's still just murdering people he's mm-hmm. trying to kill the police officer with like the garrett he's stabbing people he's create you know created that trap to blow that the guy up the voodoo doll kill is so out of place mm-hmm. and like and I, and as it's like you said we understand this character is supernatural he's based in a supernatural realm fine with that yeah other than freddie because you know he has control of dreams like michael jason you're expecting them to still kill with a knife with a machete whatever the weird part about chucky the weird the why that voodoo kill feels so weird is because even after we're like cool we have accepted that this dude used a voodoo spell to put his body in a doll we've accepted that now he's murdering people with knives and yeah. stuff. Cool. He's just using, like, it's creepy. It's yeah. a person inside of a doll, and it's really creepy because he can do these things that normal people wouldn't be able to because he can seem innocuous. He can yeah. get into places that he can sneak by. That voodoo doll kill is so out of left, mm-hmm. like, field of... He's of, physically yeah, standing he's, right next to the body. Yeah, and, and he's, instead. like, stabbing... He's, like, doing stuff with this voodoo doll. And, like, another thing that would never happens again in no. a child's play movie like never again is there any weird other than him like he does a lot of spell stuff like trying to put his body in, or trying to put his soul in a new body never again is there like weird voodoo doll shit or like spells to do anything and i guess the only way you can justify is it like oh maybe the kill the only thing i can think in my mind the thought process behind that was like because that is like the voodoo master right and the guy who taught him voodoo they thought the kill would be more menacing if that's how he dies. You taught him this voodoo, and then we're going to kill you using it. It's the only justification I have for mm. that kill. That is not a slasher kill. No. 
Um, his iconic weapon is definitely a knife he uses in the movie. It's like this ritual knife because um, it has like all yeah, these but what markings. what does that mean, Larson? A ritual knife. It's yeah. a knife you use in rituals. Yeah, okay. That You made that up. No, that's a real thing. Google ritual knife. I am. Okay. Ritual. It's a bunch of swords. Yeah, they're real things. <laughs> ritual, oh, that was an eagle Ritual knife dot band camp. That's a band. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, an atheum or atheum. Oh, cere- okay, ceremonial blade. Let's go with that. It's a ceremonial yeah. blade. It has all these like markings and everything on it. Um, so technically, the first kill is, is Chucky himself, Charles Lee Ray. He is being chased by the cop, and he um, goes into this toy store, and he realizes that his time has run out, and his only option is to transfer his body into this doll. So he transfers into the Chucky doll, and then the toy store, like, basically blows up. What's so funny when we're watching this is that the toy store, that blows up. Like, the windows come out. It's this huge explosion, yet... The doll's okay. The doll's okay, and so is the detective. Like, no big deal. Like, this building exploded, but we're fine. Uh, so, from there, we meet our main characters. That's uh, Andy and... What's her name? What's the mom's name? Uh, Karen. Andy and uh, Karen Barclay. Like, Karen is a single mom. She's obviously, like, struggling. She's doing her best to raise her kid. And he, like, is... Struggling obs- in the biggest fucking apartment in the world. Yeah, but in Detroit. So... No, okay, that's what Kate was saying. I watched this with a big group of our friends. And I was like, no, her apartment is bigger than my house. It's massive. Granted, I live in California. But I was like, there's no way. She works at, like, department Sears store. Department yeah. Store Jewelry. And they're like, oh... Yeah, here's this giant penthouse apartment where the bedrooms are the size of my house, but we're struggling. Well, it's Detroit. Um, Like no one wants. If any of you guys live in Detroit, as we're talking shit, um, sorry, it has a reputation, Uh, and you can afford giant places on a minimum wage job, let us know. Are we wrong? Yeah, let us know. In the eighties, I think I'm right. I think um, they gave her too big of an apartment. Yes, I mean her apartment is really big, but so she's struggling. Um, and Andy really wants this good guy's doll. Like it's all of the rage, and she she just can't afford it. And so what I didn't realize before, because I'm like I said, Chucky is so ingrained in pop culture, you don't really think about like the story behind him that much. I didn't realize until watching it this time that Good Guys is a TV show. Yeah, and the doll is from the TV show. Right. So you want the, it wasn't just a doll that people wanted. It was a doll because it came from the show, mm-hmm. and you wanted to be able to do the things that you did on the show. Yep, I think it's cool. Um, so her friend basically is like, "Hey, I found this doll. Like this homeless guy is selling it behind her department store," and she's like, "Oh, that's weird." And she's like, "You want it or not?" So she goes out there and she does buy the doll, and of course. We know that this is the same doll that Charles Lee Ray, who goes by Chucky, has put his soul into. Um, so she brings the doll home, and Andy's stoked. And um, Andy starts like kind of acting weird around the like saying like, "Oh, he said his name's Chucky," and he said like these things. He's been like saying these things. He talks to him a lot, um, like kind of out of character of like what the good guy doll, you know. But it is a talking doll, so the mom's just like whatever. Um, and our first like real kill happens when maggie her friend is babysitting andy um and chucky hits her in the face with a hammer and she falls out of like their freaking 12 story window all the way down that that was a pretty savage like the the hammer hit wasn't too bad but like the landing on that car like Dude, that car is destroyed when she lands on it. It's a pretty brutal. It is. The only thing I don't like is she literally runs backwards. Oh, I didn't to love get that. out yeah. of the window. Yeah. So they really had to kind of force that, um, it, and so it made it. It's just little things like that that you're just like, oh, okay. It's still 
a cool kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the fact that it's a doll who literally just uses this, like, doll hammer. Yeah. And then that causes her to die and, like, get into this situation. So that's part of what made – that being the first kill that we see, I think that's good because you're like, oh, shit, like – this little doll can just use this, like, hammer. Well, I mean, we're pretty sure it's the doll. Um, right. Use this it's hammer, and she falls out of this window and dies. Like, holy shit. I think it makes them a little bit more menacing, even if it's a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. And so this is also when they start kind of playing with the idea is, like, is it Andy? Because the cop comes over, and, like, there's flour on the floor, and there's, like, footprints, like, child's footprints. Um, and coincidentally, Andy is wearing the same good guys, good like guys shoes. outfit that yeah. should have the same footprint. Um, and what's crazy, I do love this, is like, so Andy, the cop, Christopher Sarandon, is like questioning Andy. And obviously his mom gets really pissed about it. And Andy's laying in bed and Chucky's sitting on the chair and his shoes are covered in flour. So Andy comes out and this is the first time where he's like, I know who it was. It's Chucky. And they're like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, obviously can't be him. Um, and the, he starts doing this more and more with his mom and like, you know, saying like, oh, it's Chucky. And she's like, you need to stop doing this. Takes Chucky to school one day and the mom leaves and we find out he doesn't go to school. Chucky has told him to go to this place. Yeah, so Chucky's talking to him. Yeah. And like, we're not seeing it though. He keeps yeah. holding Chucky up to his ear and saying like, okay, Chucky. Um, and this, this scene in particular was the first scene where I text B and I was like, because so B notoriously does not care for urban horror movies. Just something about the setting doesn't fly with her. Um, and this scene was the first scene I was like, holy shit, this is so urban. Like mm-hmm. riding the subway, going to these like really the ghetto of Detroit, like the projects. Yeah. And like it feels like it is It is definitely one of those 80s movies. It was very, very notorious in the 80s where the city, you feel the city. Mm-hmm. like, And they do a good job at that. But I was like, I wonder how she's going to like this movie because she doesn't like urban horror at all. Um, so they go to this, like, homeless encampment. Basically, like like I said, they're, like, drug dense. Um, uh-huh. And Chucky has let him there because he's going to kill uh, Eddie Caputo, who sold him out, right? Yeah, he was, like, his, uh, biz- Par- his, his partner. Bu- yeah, his business his, partner. His crime, partner in crime. Yeah, so they go, and um, while Andy is going to the bathroom, Chucky sleeps away, or sneaks away, and... Basically sets up a trap in the house, so lights of the pilot, the pilot light in the stove, and then his freaking buddy Eddie Caputo is just going around shooting things. He's like, "I hear something," and just shoots his gun. Like, "Oh yeah, I better just shoot into nothing." And then he like sees Andy outside, and he's like, "Oh," and then I guess he's like, "Oh, maybe there's a kid stalking us. Maybe not." And then he's so he comes in the house, and then he just opens the door, and then just shoots again. And then he shoots the oven and makes a big, massive explosion and just gets burned yeah, to Yeah, oh, gets straight up burned yeah. up. So this is, and the cops obviously show up on the scene and they take Andy and this is where it becomes like a little too coincidental for them. They're like, what's happening here? Because like- Why is this kid here? Why is he at both of these murders? Yeah, why is he at both these crime scenes? Like this yeah. is a little weird. And so um, Andy ends up being taken away from Karen and put it into like a kind of a psychiatric ward. Because he's saying, my doll made me do it. My doll made me do it. And, like this it's scene is- Chucky. This scene is pretty crazy. Like I, I do like the scene where he's like talking to Chucky. He's like, just talk, say yeah. it. Like he's kind of losing it on the doll, which makes him look even crazier. Yeah. Um, And then like the mom kind of, you know, she's torn because she's like, God, like he seems really convinced that it is this doll. Like I don't understand it. And so like there's this whole scene where she's talking to Chucky and she's like, 
just say something then, like, blah, blah, blah. And he says, like, hi, I'm Chucky. Yeah. You want to be friends? And then she goes and she gets... This is probably one of the best scenes it in the is. movie. It is. Yeah. It really is. So she's, like, oh, like, kind of relieved. Like, okay, so he is talking. And she goes to get the box... And she gets the box that he came in, and the batteries fall out. And, like, looks and, at the box, yeah, and it's, it says, like... batteries included. Yeah. And so she goes, and she goes to Chucky, and she, like, opens. And she's, like, super, naturally, super, like, timid about it. And she, like, goes, and It's she crazy, because she's, up. like... It's so funny, because she's, like, obviously, she's an adult, and she's, like... Yeah. This doll's not real, but she goes to open him up and kind of, like... Does it in a way of, like, I don't want him to know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, so oh, let me just delicately, like, turn you over. I'm just going to look at your back right Yeah, now. yes. Like, uh, oh, don't mind me. I'm just going to pull this little latch open. And holy shit, there's no batteries. And as soon as she sees that there's no batteries, freaking Chucky's head does a 360. 180. 180. 360 would be all the way around. Whatever. would have been funny. Just, what? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better. I'm going to rewrite that. And, Yeah. Um, terrifies her she screams she tries to like oh i love this scene because this is when we get the snarling menacing crazy like and the animatronic is crazy good um i mean he's like and he just fucking loses it on her he's punching her her and biting her he's like i'm gonna fucking kill you like she lights the fire she's gonna throw him in the fire and he loses it and he runs out of the apartment um so we run like she now knows that chucky is like Andy is like he's telling the truth he's right yeah so she goes to the cop and obviously she sounds like a fucking maniac because yeah. even though she saw it no one's gonna believe that this doll is somehow alive um but there's something I I think she does do a really good job you know like um Catherine Hicks might not be like someone we consider as like a great actress she was on seventh heaven and like she was fine on that show whatever but like she does do worried mother very well yeah and there's something about like no, I like this performance a lot. Yeah, when she yeah. goes to Christopher Sarandon to tell him, like, there, like, there is, she, there's something in her, the way she tells him and like the worry that she has that makes him. There is at least a small part of him and goes, okay, I need to check it out. Yeah. So he does, like, he tells her go home, like, whatever. But he goes to the police station to get the file on Charles Lee Ray, and. This is the scene where Chucky attacks him in the back of the car, which I really like. This scene too. Chucky has a Garrett, and he like he's choking from the back. And then I love the knife stuff. So he's driving, and Chucky just starts stabbing through the seat, and he's trying to avoid the knife. And then he starts stabbing from under the seat, and then he starts playing with like the gas pedal and the brake pedal. Um, and again, this is all this all, this whole scene too was another scene where I was just like, this animatronic is insane. Like for like I cannot believe what they managed to pull off with this. Um, and like cruising through the city, crashing around, and he sh- he shoots Chucky, which is when Chucky realizes, holy shit, I can feel pain. <laughs> like I'm not just a doll. Like he has blood. He bleeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so now uh, the cop, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Norris believes Karen and is like, okay, we, like I think I know his motive. He's killing. He told me he was going to kill me, and he told Caputo he was going to kill him. Like he's killing people that were close to him. And they go to his house and they find that he did have another associate who was like this voodoo practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like all these weird paintings. This house is super weird. Um, and so they're, they like know where he's going to go. They're like, oh, it's, and I mean, it's your typical, stereotypical, uh, like, like oh, yeah, this is our like freaking, yeah, Cajun, black voodoo witch doctor. Yeah. You know. It's very, this actually scene made me think of Candyman a lot. Um, 
This scene is a little goofy. Like I said, he goes, he's like going to stop Chucky and Chucky uses a voodoo doll to kill him. It is the least slashery scene in the entire movie. Although I think it's one of the best animatronic scenes in the movie. Um, they get there too late. So he's dying, but he does tell them, I, I told him he has, I did tell him he has to go for the boy because that the only way Chucky can get out of his doll body is to insert himself into the body of the first person he revealed himself to, who yeah. was Andy. So this is when they figure and out. They also find out that he's becoming Chucky is becoming more human. Um, he said the first thing that's turning human is his heart, mm-hmm. and the longer he stays in the doll, the more human he becomes. And what I like about that, and that's one of the conversations that I mentioned earlier that I had with my friend Ronnie. He's like, oh yeah, sometimes like he walks like a puppet, and then sometimes he walks like a person. Like they don't do a very good job about that. And I'm like, you know. I think that's intentional. Mm-hmm. It's an, And he's like, oh, you you really think so? I'm like, yeah, because they're playing with the idea that Chucky's sort of in this weird period of like being a doll and also being a person. And as the film goes on, he's getting more and more. That's why he can talk more. That's why he can do more things. He doesn't have to use Andy to get him places and do things mm-hmm. because he's getting more humanistic. Yep. Um, and so it's – I. I mean, I'm going to give credit to the the behind-the-scenes crew that as it goes on, like, he's going to look. There's going to be, like, things where you're like, oh, he looks like a puppet here and he looks like a person there. And it's because of that shift of trying to be like, well, that's because he not he isn't fully human, but he does have some of those characteristics, which I think is really good. Um, so he's going after Andy, who's stuck in the psychiatric ward. I really like this scene, too, where, like, Andy's looking out the window. He can see Chucky crawling up the stairs. I thought that scene was, like, really creepy. Um, and he's, like, yelling for the doctor. He's like, he's here, he's here, Chucky's here. And the doctor basically is going to sedate him. Yeah. He's like, okay, he's like, oh, okay, like, okay, this okay. kid's fucking nuts. Yeah, so Chucky gets into the room, but Andy's able to outsmart him. Um, like, you know, puts a pillow and a, like, um, puts some pillows on the blanket. And then when Chucky thinks... Like, it's him and goes to, like, stab him or whatever. Andy gets out of the room. The doctor's chasing after him, and they end up in, like, a lab. And the doctor's trying to sedate him when Chucky stabs the doctor and then puts, um, when they used to do shock therapy, electroshock therapy, uh, he puts one of the, like, head constraints on the doctor and just literally burns him alive. I actually really like this kill because, like, he, it's... He starts bleeding from his fucking eyes. It's hella gross. Uh, it is one of the more, I think, like savage kills because the voodoo kill is not i mean whatever it's he like he you know he bends his arm and his arm breaks bends his leg his leg breaks and when he stabs him like suddenly he has like holes in his chest but it's like it's nothing like super significant and then the eddie caputo kill is not great either because it's just a giant explosion see the body but like dr ardmore i think is definitely one of the better ones and we see that savageness of chucky and it's like i think it also is a good scene because it reveals kind of like the thus like i said how savage and like maniacal he is because he literally lets andy get away so he can continue to kill mm-hmm. the doctor while he's just sitting there laughing him like continuing to shock him yeah so i think it kind of like gives you an insight as to like how crazy this character truly is yeah who he was and i always forget so what he we see him getting like chased down we know but what were his crimes before uh charles lee ray i don't i feel like murderer has to be yeah uh, but they don't really talk about it oh he's no they do say he goes the lakeshore strangler that's right because there is that scene where she finally reveals she says something and it like makes the the cop upset 
Oh, that was another scene too. I forgot about this. When she's trying to track down where the doll came from, that homeless guy like almost rapes her. Yeah. That scene's super yeah. dark. Like I, I so forgot like in about the that. Alley yeah. Like pins her up against the car. Um, but he was the Lakeshore Strangler, so he was a murderer for yeah. sure. Um it doesn't I'm on like a wiki right now. Doesn't necessarily say like what it might get like fleshed out in some of the sequels. Perhaps. I mean he has only two known victims, but he um his name is derived from Charles Manson, Lee Harvey, yeah. Oswald, and James Roy, right? Which yes. is super creepy. But so he, yeah, he was a murderer. Um and he continues to murder a lot more people as Chucky. Uh so he's killed the doctor. Andy goes home, and um this is like the final set piece of the movie. Uh, he, Chucky manages to knock Andy out and he's trying to transfer his soul when this is like all the goofy lightning and clouds that he yeah. really doesn't like. And I mean, I kind of like it. It's super 80s, I know, but I kind of like the scene where the cop and the mom are running up the stairs and they have the glass window and they look up and there's all this crazy fucking lightning happening. And like that scene's, and like you can hear Chucky doing a spell while it's all happening. And they break, I thought that scene was like kind of intense, but I do agree the graphics are wonderful um so they knock like chucky off and then the movie gets really goofy (laughs) um in a way they like burn chucky alive they manage like chucky's chasing him all around he stabs cop in the leg knocks the cop out he almost gets andy um but the mom manages to throw him in the fireplace and i love this scene because chucky is like an animal just like when he's in the fireplace he's just fucking losing it and and just like completely crazy um but they manage to light him on fire and so they go to check on the cop and then there's that scene where andy realizes his body's not there anymore um and again just props to the animatronics team because the look of chucky when he's all burnt oh uh, yeah he has like one eye open only one eye works his face is and it's cool because his face looks like decomposed and obviously like he's not a human but like it's like pla- melted plastic and mm-hmm. stuff um and so he's still like chasing after them he's running around the apartment chasing after them they they manage to blow his arm off they blow his leg off and this doll keeps coming after them um because like the voodoo practitioner said you have to kill his heart you have to kill because that's the only part of him that's human yeah you have to destroy his heart so there's literally a scene where like the cop's partner shows up and he puts With Chucky's long ass mustache. Yeah, and he puts Chucky's head on a dresser, and suddenly his body pops out of an air vent and starts strangling him. And the and I like this scene too because Chucky's head is literally yelling at his own body, going "Fucking strangle him, kill him, rip his throat out, rip his throat out." Um, and then they finally shoot him through the heart, and it actually, I think it doesn't set up for a sequel at all. Like no. like Chucky seems definitively dead yeah. at the end of this movie. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, there's actually only three kills in the movie. One, two, three, four kills in the movie other than Chucky, who dies twice, technically. Charles Lee Ray. Um, Very low kill count. Yeah, super low kill count. Which is part of the reason why it's like, it's slasher-esque. Because it has some of the themes, but um, the entire plot of the movie isn't for... The driving force of Chucky isn't to kill these people. Mm -mm. It's to get his body... Into, into Andy, Andy. And he so he can do more killing later. Yeah. But um, he's just killing people to protect himself. That's not his drive, right? It does become his drive more and more as the series yes. continues. So it's really setting up. This is like almost a prequel for the slashing. Yes, 
Um, it, I'm, I still definitely qualify it as a slasher. Oh, it he is. uses a knife. Yeah, like no, we it's said, a slasher, yeah. but it's not like full blown hitting all the notes. It's, uh, yeah, it's slasher esque. Um, my favorite kill is probably the doctor. Yeah, I just the bleeding from the eyes yeah. and like cutting his leg, and um, I really like. that. I mean, and Chucky's death is great. Chucky's death is really yeah, good. Yeah, but. And I like the impact of the car with the babysitter. Yeah. Um, but definitely the electrocution by, the, like, the headband and, like, the bleeding through the mouth and the eyes. Yeah, is... and also just, like, revealing the full insanity of the character. He, yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, Andy's running away and he's just sitting there hitting the button over and over yeah. again. Um, I didn't think Andy was a terrible actor. I thought there was the scenes where he's like backing away from Chucky are not great. The scene where he's sitting there crying in the room, I thought was really good actually. There's just a lot. I mean, he's a child actor, and some are better than others. Not missing your friend. I can't. Um, I, um, no, but I I can see like there were definitely no, parts that I was like that wasn't great. There's moments where you can definitely see he's following steps, like orders. Like I was supposed to step here, yep. and then I'm going there. Yep. Um. So it's like robotic. Yeah. Um. Which is fine. I mean, I'm not going to knock, like, a child actor. It's really okay. Um, I do think, like, I always forget, forget Chris Sarandon, I think, is a great actor. And he's really good in this. And I think Catherine Hicks does a good job. And yeah. then Brad Dorff is just amazing. I don't love Chris Sarandon in this. I like him because he's supposed to be, he's like... He's not likable What? I don't think he's supposed to be, like... Well, I think he's supposed to be this hard-nosed, like, cop who's doing his job. And, and like, like, is very suspicious of this family, of this mom and this son. And also, like, yeah, and not only that, but, like, it makes it almost, like, like, a little more menacing when he realizes, like, oh, this could be real because he's so, like, just, like, no, this isn't reality. Yeah. Um... And I don't think he's supposed to be likable. I think he is supposed to be like he's a homicide detective, you yeah. know. Um, so now we come down to the hardest thing that we have to do, and that's talk. Uh, well, I mean, talk about his position in the horror landscape. I think we discussed a lot. It's iconic at this yeah. point. It's incredibly famous. Chucky will forever be known as one of the most famous like slasher characters in history. Mm-hmm. I think Brad Dorif is amazing mm-hmm. in this role and he's the only at this point he is the only one of the famous ones that has played it every single time because robert oh, hasn't yeah. once um, yeah because of the remake because of the remake jason obviously a ton yeah. of different actors michael d- ton of different, ton actors. Of different actors so he's the only one who has played him every single time and yeah. i think that is one of the reasons it has such lasting power mm-hmm. i think if you were to lose and Brad john mancini Moore, writing yes yeah. those two i think are fantastic and it's the only slasher tandem. that we've consistently gotten one Every decade. Yeah, like twice a decade, yeah. honestly. Um, so, yeah, we have to rank it. And this is the part. So usually me and I kind of normally watch a movie together or we talk about it. Um, and ultimately, we did not. She watched it in a big group. I watched it alone. And I've been excited to talk to her about this because I know how she feels about urban horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how you feel about this movie. As far as ranking it or just in general? Both. So let's do general first. Um... Does it feel as urban to you as something like Candyman? So it doesn't, it feels urban, but I think because there's so much with Chucky that doesn't feel like he's not rooted in the city at all, Mm -hmm. like Candyman is. Right. And he himself isn't as dark. Yeah. So it's, uh, I liked it better because it wasn't so much dark 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 with nothing breaking it up like the city is already gonna be like a stale 
like bleak landscape and then I feel like a lot of times in urban horror they have the tone match that in every single aspect right the villain super dark and bleak and the dialogue and the characters are very depressed there's no light anywhere right and I literally think, and figuratively right and I do think and you know Tom Holland talked about this. He did try to add levity because yeah. it was so dark. And so I think even things like Chucky's red hair and his yeah. striped shirt. Yeah, like having a little bit of color. And even like Andy just like watching TV and like the department store, it like breaks it up a little bit more. Um, and they're not so focused in the city. I mean, it is obviously everywhere you look. It's like this like very urban city. And a lot of the kills are based on that. But there's some breakage. So it does better. It's not, I think, it's not my favorite. I wouldn't have loved to, like, I don't know. Um, I think part of, like, my feelings on it, too, are just the lack of, you know, the childhood connection. Mm -hmm. I think really plays into this. I don't really have that. I've really only come to this series as an adult. I knew Chucky as Chucky, the character from pop culture. I didn't know him from these movies. Um... That being said, I think it's a well-directed movie. I think it's a, for the most part, very well-acted movie. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Chucky himself is spectacular, Mm -hmm. both act-wise and animatronic and effects-wise are beautiful, and I love watching that. And I like, I mean, Freddy is my my favorite killer. And he's the closest. And he's the closest, yeah. yeah. And so I enjoy that. I like that, like, like, switch, you fucking bitch. Like, I like that. Yeah, me too. Because... I like the killers to talk because that's scary. Yeah. I, it's scary in both ways. I mean, no, it I love is. Michael. They both have their own, they, like, But it's different. Yeah. And I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of, like, the one-liners. Because it's, and it's the, like, kind of a bravado. It's like, holy shit, you know you're going to kill me. Yeah. You're confident so about confident it. So confident yeah. and so taunting and teasing. Yeah. And so I really like that. There's, like, the set and, like, some of the other stuff, like, that part I didn't particularly enjoy about the movie. And the voodoo stuff. The, oh, I do not like the voodoo stuff whatsoever. Um, but I, I mean, it's honestly saved by Chucky himself. Yeah. No, like I said, Brad Dorff, I think, and it, 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 one, the effects team, two, Tom Holland for being able to direct that in a way that makes, doesn't make it seem campy or silly. Yeah, the POV shots were great. Um, yeah. The way, the genuinely, like the way it was filmed was yeah. great. Yeah, the, uh, in him being able to, because like we said, like child actors would play it with a Chucky doll and like knowing when to do that, knowing when to use the doll, I think was very impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brad Dwarf himself, I think it just yeah. elevates it like yeah. insanely so much. Um, so if you guys haven't checked out our list, again, keepstreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, number one is still my bloody Valentine from 1981. It's been raining at number one for a while now. Followed by I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Burning, Happy Death Day, Urban Legend, My Bloody Valentine 3D from 09, Hatchet, Bay of Blood, Silent Night, Deadly Night, the original from 84, My Super Psycho Sweet 16, Most Likely to Die, Intruder, Hellbent, Blood Rage, Curtains, Terror Train, Slaughter High, and April Fool's Day. What's the last movie we did? I don't think it's on here. This might be movie 20. Oh, Mandy. Lane. Oh, yeah, so... Um, Which so, is 10. Yeah, so, uh, sorry, All the Boys Love Manny Lane is actually number 10. So, yeah, this is actually, will be our 20th movie. Um, Damn. I know. So, 40 weeks. We're almost at a year. April Fool's Day, by the way, um, if you can go back and check out that episode to see why it's ranked so low, because we do very much enjoy that movie. Um, but the way we look at this is how does this movie work as a slasher? 
um, again from all the points down like how well was it directed how's the score how's the how is the acting how how's is the how are the kills how is the killer what's like how's the motive um, and looking at that stuff specifically I'm looking right around like 12 13 which would be around like intruder mm-hmm. hellbent um, mm-hmm. because I think I think it's better than hellbent mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if it's better than intruder in in certain ways i think as a movie it's better than intruder like don't get oh, me wrong well, yeah yeah because as i mean a mo- for sure as a it's movie better i would rank than, it very like, high on very this. high yeah. it's better than a lot of the movies we covered but as like but a as a pure slasher? slasher looking at it as a slasher and the only thing i think that gives it an edge over intruder because i think the kills in intruder are better oh so much better but i think the killer is so much better than this yeah, our killer and intruder is not great. Um, no. I just love the store. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chucky, that's, I think in the ranking for the slasher thing, the biggest points that Child's Play has is Chucky. Yes. Um, good motive. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a strangler. Um, he's stuck in the body. He's trying to kill the people who are trying to get him caught. And he's just trying to get out of this doll's body. Right. Um, all the kills, great motive, great reasoning. You're never like, well, I wonder why he's doing this. Right. No. Yeah. Um, the killer himself, spectacular, violent, um, vocal, uh, you know, like checks off all the boxes. But then we lack kills. Right. Um, we lack kills. We get- We lack the... We get a little goofy with the supernatural stuff. Yeah, we Um, lack the archetype of, like, the formula. mm -hmm. It doesn't follow the formula. It's way more based on... It's, in some ways, more like Silent Night, Deadly Night, where we're focused on the story of the killer Uh and this family that's being affected by it as opposed to the victims. It's not about the victims. It's about... It's very much in the same vein as Silent Night, Deadly Night in Mm -hmm. that... In that structure. It's structured similarly to that instead of our My Bloody Valentine slasher formula right um yeah i'm trying to think no i totally agree um it's like in this range for sure um hmm i think it should be 13 i think intruders a better slasher yeah i think I think you're right, and it's just because... I think because the isolated environment, I think... The, the inventiveness of the, the kills. The inventiveness of the kills, the, like, sort of red herring where, is it the boyfriend? Um, it all plays into having, like, a large cast of, like, young teens, even though it's not a teen scream. Mm-hmm. Um, it just fits those slasher marks better. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. And for some reason, even, like, some things, like... I mean, obviously, Tom Holland did an amazing job with this, but like, there's a lot of creativity with the shots and Intruder. Mm-hmm. I I remember liking the Scorn Intruder more. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I don't like the Scorn Intruder. But... Um, I'm cool with that. And then so... with Hellbent, the only reason why I think Child's Play does better than Hellbent is that we are comparing a killer with no motive. We have no information about that's him 100% whatsoever. Why. Yeah, I think. And it's so, which is fine. Like, but even with characters like. Michael, like we find, we get information about him. Mm-hmm. He is anonymous. Um, movies like Black Christmas, you don't really know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get that that is a style and that is scary in itself. Um, but it, Hellbent ends up being a little bit more about like these four guys. Yes. And not necessarily about the killer 
who's stalking and slashing them. Um, and so I think for that reason, um, having Chucky and having the motive behind the kills and the setup for mm-hmm. those kills, just not much farther above in the slashing rank, but I do think it has that up edge above because of the killer in Hellbent. Yes, I, I completely agree. Um, for the record, just for anyone out there who's going, oh my god, how could you rate Child's Play so low? I, as we said, if we are ranking just movies, it'd be above a lot of these. If I were ranking by killer alone, it'd be in the, like, the top three. Yeah, um, But we're ranking it on all the things we dissect. Yes. We rank it on the, the effectiveness of the score, the, um, the way it's filmed, the killer, their motive, how they kill, and what again, the how we are, feel it fits cast. into the slasher genre, yeah. not how it fits as a film, because a no. lot of those things are good. Tom Holland did a great job. That like the actors did well. Brad Dorff did amazing. The animatronic, the special effects are great. But we're as a slasher, and I do think honestly, like I need to rewatch them. I think other child's plays will rank higher. Oh, as I think so. Because I they are thinking more back true on two, movies. which I've yeah. seen more recently. Yeah, no, I think two yeah. and like this once... is like a, a, and I recently was reading about how people are trying to argue that Friday the Thirteenth is a prequel to Friday oh, yeah. the Thirteenth Part Two, which I see the argument. Yeah, they're saying that because it's the origin story of why um, Jason comes back right to avenge his mom. Yeah, um, and you're finding out like why, like what happened. So they're trying to argue that Friday the Thirteenth is a prequel because really the series is about Jason. You don't think about Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah. Um, and so Yeah. And so in some ways, like, you don't, I mean, you can't make the same argument, but you can think, like, this was the, the starter. This is what gets Chucky to the slasher, like, villain that we know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, this is his origin. Cool. So it is our new number 13. Um, our list will be updated on keepscreaming.com slash the dash list, and uh, we'll probably tweet about it as well. Um, we're going to pick a new movie. I don't, uh, we haven't talked about it at all. I have no idea what mm-hmm. we're going to pick. So we'll let you guys know as soon as possible so you can follow along if you want. Definitely follow us at ScreamyCast on Instagram. B has been doing great stuff on there, like with um, live streaming what we're doing and just like lots of really fun behind the scenes stuff over there. Um, and then follow me at uh, uh, Ryan Wright's left if you want on Instagram. Uh, because I have been doing, like, trying to do a better job of, like, just posting what I'm watching, like, horror. There's lots of horror stuff on there. Mm-hmm. So if you're into horror, the horror genre, that you'll definitely find a lot of it on on there. Um, yeah, so thanks again for tuning in. Reach out to us. Um, I mean, uh, at Classic Material on Twitter, always doing it, and then at Gaily Dreadful has been mm-hmm. um, a lot. Um, so thank you guys so much, and... Of course, Aaron and Brendan, we love you. Um, I, like, I feel like I'll not be able to go an episode without mentioning you guys somehow. Uh, and if you have an idea, I mean, summer's winding down, so we've been wanting to do summer stuff. Child's Play kind of snuck in there because of Tom Holland. So maybe we'll get one more summer one in, or I don't know, we got to start looking at Halloween stuff pretty quick here. Uh, so yeah, reach out to us and let us know. Um, thanks for tuning in again. If you can, rate, review, subscribe. And until next time, keep screaming.